Spend your afternoons with Adam Epstein. AWOD Radio. Every weekday at noon on Sports Radio 910 The Fan at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. We'll run around local sports here in Richmond, Virginia. High school football talk with Lane Casadante at 1.30 here on AWOD Radio. Washington, the commanders have continuously gotten off to these slow starts under Ron Rivera since he came over here from Carolina. And whether it's the defense starting slow by giving up explosive plays or the offense putting up a stinker, zero points for an entire half, Ron Rivera has started the season slow every single year to the team's detriment. And so that's why I believe that even though it's just week one, week one is a must win for the commanders as they host the Arizona Cardinals. And joining us right now here on the Hadid Mercer rug cleaning hotline for a special version of the Richmond Commander, it's Danny Ruye. What's going on, Danny? What do you say, brother? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Do you believe that week one is a must win for the commanders? So people get hung up on that phrase must win, you know, like they, they reserve it for elimination games and there's this weird, like sports talk, tough guy thing that they do. Uh, yes. The answer is yes. Arizona sucks. They're actively tanking. They're leaning into the tank. Uh, Josh Harris is jealous of this process. And uh, if they don't win, I'm not really sure what the point is of the rest of the 16 games. They got to have this one. Arizona's going to start you or me. At quarterback uh, in week number one, they absolutely have to come out, show well, get some confidence, build the layers here with Sam Howell. They need to win it. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that, and hopefully the team can get off to a fast start this season. Defensively for the commanders, who do you think is going to be our X factor this year? That's a great question. I, I mean, to me, you could go a million different ways with that, Adam. I, I, I'm looking at Quan Martin, though. I don't know what his role is going to be. As you start to sort of put together the roster, put together – you know, various depth charts and packages. Is he a nickel corner? Is he kind of a safety? Is he something in between? I kind of don't know what their plan is there with him, but an exciting player certainly up and down in the preseason overall, but that's a guy that I think could either make an impact or we're going to wonder in eight to ten weeks, whatever happened to Quan Martin? Why didn't they pick a lineman? Danny Ruye with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. I know you're not the biggest fan of Curtis Samuel, but I just believe that Eric Bieniemy is going to find a way to get him involved this season. A dynamic weapon like that has to be used for this team to reach their potential. And if we're going to win nine or ten games this season, I think Curtis Samuel has to be involved offensively. I, I'm going to I agree in large part, but I don't want to paint myself as a picture of someone that's not a fan of his. I just you know I've been frustrated like everybody else at the lack of production. I think they figured something out, whether it's good or bad, whether you agree with the evaluation or not. Midway through last year, remember early on, Carson Wentz couldn't stop throwing the ball to Curtis Samuel. Had a bunch of targets early on in the season. As the year progressed, he was featured less and less, especially once Jahan Dotson kind of came into his own and got healthy and got right. I see Samuel Moore as a gadget player. I was a fan of the signing at the time. I mean, it made a lot of sense. A guy, you know, who'd kind of broken out his last year in Carolina, had showed some upside. He's more of a slot guy, handed off a couple times, you know, a couple bubble screens. Not to say he's not going to get targeted at him, but I don't think he's the true number two receiver who can do a little bit of everything that they thought he was going to be. He'll be involved for sure because it's a passing game. It's the NFL. They're going to run a lot of 11 personnel. He'll get some looks. I just don't think he's going to be that featured player. I think they've got two excellent receivers, a one and a 1A in McLaurin and Dotson. 
Danny Ruyer with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Grant and Danny take over for me Monday through Friday from 3 to 6.30 right here on 910 The Fan. Have you noticed this on your show from the fan base? Like I did this Saturday morning show on 106.7. I took five or six calls from fans who all said the same thing. As long as Ron Rivera gets out of Coach Eric Bieniemy's way, the offense will be good. Have you kind of noticed that from the fan base? They just want Ron Rivera to be not involved in the offense at all. Yeah, always a great sign for your head coach, right? Where yeah. the, the best advice is to not talk and, and get out of the way. Yeah, yeah I, I, that's certainly a pulse we've seen. That compliments, by the way, the pulse of – there's a huge percentage of this fan base, uh, Adam. I don't know exactly how big it is, but there is a group of – there's a significant group of Washington fans that somehow believe it's this grand chessboard move where Ron is going to be out and Eric Bannon is going to take over the head coach and it's been preordained as such. I don't know about that, and if it does happen, then they'll be right, and you know, I guess I, I won't be on either side because I'm not saying no, I'm not saying yes, but I think that's a pulse. I, I mean, to me, you, you go back and look. You mentioned those slow starts, and that's obviously a critical theme, not only for this year, but any year, really, where you can't just give away a month, month and a half of a season and climb out of the toilet when you're not that good of a football team. The big theme to me has been they've had an off-season plan where they said they were going to be one thing. They tried to be that thing. It fails in some capacity, in some way, and then they revert to the Ron Rivera mid 1980s smash route football win, you know, nine to seven, uh, and try to eke into the playoffs that way. He's done that for the last couple of seasons. I don't want that. I have no interest in that. That's a low ceiling way to play. I don't want gimmicks. I want to be a top five offense. That's who goes to the conference championship games for the most part. The offense is playing the best at the end of the season or, you know, put up those great numbers. The number one team and number two team in points somehow met in the Super Bowl last year. We act like it's a big coincidence. It's not. This offense has been in the mid to high 20s in every meaningful statistical category for a handful of seasons now. And, yes, you want you hired this guy from one of the great pedigrees in all of sports. Please let him do his thing. Sink or swim, I don't want Ron Rivera. I want him to lose the directions to that side of the building. I want him to not know where the offensive meetings are. Please stay away. Don't even talk to Eric Bannemi other than a cursory hello and how does your coffee taste. <laughs> I love that, man. I'm on the same page as you. Uh, your biggest takeaway from today's cuts that we've seen so far? Tight end to me. I, I'm curious. I, I'm worried about Logan Thomas. Uh, you know, when, when Ron Rivera was talking about his injury – um, in the preseason why he was sitting out as a veteran. I, if if you know, your radar doesn't really go up if a veteran's getting a day or two, you know, a guy in his 30s who's been around, a lot of mileage, and if he's getting a rest day, that's very normal. That's routine. Rivera mentioned his surgery and coming back from his surgery from a couple of years ago, and you're kind of going, wait a minute, that, that raises a flag. And now you start to look at some of the, some of the cuts, you know, uh, and, and, and how they're building this thing. And I'm significantly worried about Logan Thomas maybe missing some time here uh, at, at the top of the season. I beat this drum all offseason. They had well over $12 million in cap space that they didn't use. I think they should have done a much better job of upgrading the offensive line. And there were a bunch of tight ends that signed for not that much money, one-year deals, including a guy like Austin Hooper that they tried to throw every dollar in the history of mankind out a couple of seasons ago. I'm not saying he's a world beater, but a little bit more security at tight end, I think, is something they easily could have addressed and didn't do that because they liked the guys they had internally. Well, that includes Logan Thomas. And I don't know how much Logan Thomas we're going to get, especially early in the season. Danny, I want you to predict the order for the NFC East this season because I told your co-host Grant that I actually have the Giants winning the division, and he thought I had started happy hour early. <laughs> no, I, I, I love that because here's what we, we act like we're super surprised every year when four teams go from worst to first and, and half the playoff teams that made it the year before fall off and another group that we didn't anticipate jump up and come in. It's when you're part of that middle puddle 
of the NFL, there's, there's like seven or eight really good teams, maybe not even that many, that we know about, right? They're going to win 13, 14 games regardless of what their schedule is. Everyone else, it's an 8-8 eight eight league, right? There are a couple you know, bottom feeders like the Cardinals uh, and a couple teams that are going to be terrible. Everyone else is a field goal, you know, hitting the upright or going in or a bad snap or a, a 50-50 fumble proposition away from a, a magical 10-7 and seven season or an unlucky 7-10. and 10. We see it all the time. So it's not the craziest thing in the world. Now, I happen to think the Giants are getting way too much love and attention. I think they're very pedestrian. I think Brian Dable masked all their inefficiencies last year, gimmicked up an offense to just eke out a couple uh, you know, rushing totals and find a way to beat a god-awful Minnesota Vikings team that got outscored last year despite winning 13 games. I think they're overrated. I think they're right in the same bucket with the commanders in that 7-10 and 10 type team. Get a break in your schedule, maybe you win eight games. To me, you still have to favor the Eagles. They're they're really good on paper. They're ascending. They've got an excellent defensive line. Offensive line is outstanding. Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate. They got offensive weapons. They got pass rush. I think the Cowboys are neck and neck with them, but I give a slight edge to the Eagles. I think they win 13 games. Dallas has won 12 two straight seasons. I think they'll be right around 11. And then I think Washington and the Giants are going to have a thumb war uh, for that third and fourth spot, right around that again that seven eight window. Personally, I think you're sleeping a little bit on Darren Waller. <laughs> by the way, I think I think just by saying his name, he's now injured for four to six weeks. <laughs> it looks like he might he might go, and then you start him in your fantasy lineup, and you find out right before kickoff he's not playing, and you get a zero from the tight end spot. I'll never have him on any roster ever again. I'm sure he's a very nice person, but I hate his guts. <laughs> hey, Washington had three players in ESPN's top 100 that they just released. Terry. Uh, McLaurin, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen. Is there anyone else on the roster you think can make the top 100 next year? So it, that's what's such a, um, you know, if, if you ask scouts or if you ask, you know, people that really grade this thing hard, they would tell you a guy like Cam Curl belongs on that list. Yeah. It's not sexy, though, right? Because he may not have the gaudy interception stats or the forced fumbles or some of the other things, but he's playing basically, according to our old kind of football terms three or four different positions. He'll probably line up as a, as a linebacker in that Buffalo nickel, more of a true safety sometimes over the top. Maybe he lines up over a tight end, almost like a slot corner. He does a little bit of everything. They're just better when he's on the field. So that's a guy I think could certainly make it. I think Jahan Dotson is, is poised for a, a breakout that we're not quite ready for. I think that guy is a star in the making, can do a little bit of everything. People miss kind of cast him at Penn State. They said, hey, he's just kind of a slot receiver. Well, the reason is they had quarterbacks who didn't know which hand to throw with uh, there at various times, so they couldn't even get the ball downfield to him. He can do a little bit of everything on the football field. I, I think he's kind of a cross between Santana Moss and Steve Smith. I think he's going to have an outstanding year this year and kind of build and ascend and give them a really nice one-two punch here. So that's the guy that I think could creep in as well, but those were the two nominees that, that would come to mind for me. Great stuff, Danny. Really appreciate you joining the show today. Yeah, buddy. I always appreciate the time, man. Be well. Yep. That is Grant and Danny that you can hear from 3 to 6.30 right here on 910 The Fan. That was Danny Ruye. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD on The Fan. Are you ready to join the AWOD Army? Tune in to the new sports radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM every day from noon to 3 on AWOD Radio. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Your home for the Washington Commanders here in Richmond. 
at Odyssey Richmond. You can hear every Commander's game every week. It'll be on 910 The Fan. If there's a Squirrels game, you can hear it on WRVA, 1140 AM. And we are 10 days away. No, not 10 days. 12 days away from week one with Washington hosting the Arizona Cardinals. We thought it was going to be Colt McCoy. We knew it wasn't going to be Kyler Murray. Well, now they cut Colt McCoy. They traded for Josh Dobbs. They have a fifth-round rookie. Who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Cardinals week one? We don't know, including their head coach. He told reporters yesterday he's not going to name a starter. He's going to wait until the very last second, the last day before the game, to announce his starter for week one. That's why I think the Cardinals are going to be crappy for Caleb. Caleb Williams, the starting quarterback for USC and the Heisman Trophy winner. But the question right now I have for you guys, 833-804-0910. Is week one a must-win for Washington? You just heard from Danny Ruye. He said it is a week one must-win because of the fact that the Cardinals are going to be so bad and the fact that Ron Rivera has started slow every single year. Washington has just continuously gotten off to these slow starts. And I... I hate to blame Ron Rivera because it's something that went on in the Gruden era as well. And No, you don't. Washington has been bad for the last 25 seasons. But it's something that when you look at Washington since Ron Rivera take, took over, it's the one thing that sticks out. Whether it's the defense or the offense, we always start the season slow. So I want to take you back. 2020, Ron Rivera takes over for the Washington Commanders. Week one, Rivera gets a win against the Philadelphia Eagles. At home, defeats the Eagles and Carson Wentz. And everyone's got the high of the Rivera era in 2020. Week two, a loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Team is one and one. Week three, a loss to the Cleveland Browns. Now you're one and two. It can't get any worse than that, right? No. Week four, a loss to Baltimore. Team is one and three. Then a loss to the Rams. They're one and four. They lose to the Giants. The team is 1-5 in Ron Rivera's first season in charge in Washington. Everybody forgets about that. Why? Because the team caught fire, right? And they finished the season 7-9. and nine. Heineke starts a playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we actually won that crappy division. The NFC least in 2020. Ron Rivera's first year. Oh, let's take a look back at 2021. Ron Rivera's second season in Washington. Did they start slow that year? Week one, a loss to the Chargers. You absolutely had that game. Had a chance to win it in the red zone. Threw an interception. Lost 20-16. to You're 0-1. Week two, a thriller against the Giants in the Meadowlands. They win 30-29, to a wild game, and the team is 1-1. Week three, tough game against Buffalo, falling to 1-2. Week four, you defeat the Atlanta Falcons. You're 2-2. Everything seems all right. Rivera got through the, the shaky start that year. Nope. Four straight losses, Saints lost, Chiefs lost, Packers lost, Broncos lost. You fold this 2-6 and six and finish the season 7-10. and ten. That's the theme of the slow starts for Ron Rivera. Well, let me take you back to last season, in case you forgot. Washington won week one against Jacksonville, and then four straight losses before a Thursday night lucky win against the Bears, in which Carson Wentz got hurt. Season started 1-4. and four. So there you have it, 2021-5. 2021, 2 and 6. 2022, 1 and 4. You have to start seasons faster than that in the NFL. You can't struggle to get out of the gates. You have to start hot. And it's just been so upsetting that that's the number one theme of the Ron Rivera era. You know, I will give him credit. Every single one of his teams for the last three seasons has 
figured out to win some games in December, right? And all of a sudden, they're kind of in a playoff push, in a, in a mix for a wild card position. But every single year, you look back to September and October and say, darn it, we should have won more of those games. Last year, it was the Titans game in which I watched the game and we had four plays from the two-yard line. Season would have been completely different if they win that game. Here's what I don't want Ron to say this year, and I'm a limited fan. I'm not fanatical. Yeah. You know, it's not my squad, but I do love Ron. But I heard him say a lot at the pressers post game, "We got to eliminate these big plays." Yeah, that was. I heard that was like a yeah. reoccurring thing. Well, yeah. You know, the, the, the big. Well, play. that's the term I hadn't even heard until last year, which was explosive plays. Explosive plays, right? Ten the, plus yards. It, yeah, big plays, explosive plays yeah. that just throw you guys yeah. out no, of the that, mix. The key word from last year was explosive players. The <laughs> year before, it was, it was yeah. the Buffalo nickel. It was the, <laughs> nobody ever heard of that position. Ron Rivera's talking about, oh, we got three, four guys we like in the mix for that Buffalo nickel position. Defense sucked. I mean. Well, you have to, I think, be 2-0. and oh. So I think the first two games of the schedule are must-wins. I don't think then the you second have one is. Because the second one, look, it's against the Denver Broncos. You, In a perfect scenario, you'd love to win that game. That offense probably going to struggle to start the season as Russell Wilson gets used to a new offense. And then I get it. Next two weeks are Buffalo and Philly. And and, and we don't know what's going to happen to Buffalo. I think that Buffalo game is a lot more winnable now than it was when the season first came out. If Buffalo loses week one to the Jets, they, they might have a coup on their hand. And all of a sudden, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are yelling at each other. They're trying to trade their star wide receiver. By week three, Buffalo might be garbage. My arrow is down on Buffalo this year. I know it is. I know. And so that's why I think you have to finish September, those first four weeks, you have to finish it two and two. So win week one against the Cardinals, that's a must win. I'm hoping we defeat the Broncos, but if you lose that game, you have to find a way to steal either the Bills or the Eagles game. And you beat Philly last year. And you beat Philly Philly last year in Philly. Just ran the ball. They were 11-0. Nobody had a shot against them until Washington came in, and Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson combined for 100 yards. Eagles had four turnovers. And that's why I'm not that high on the Eagles this season is because their turnover margin was just unbelievable last year. They were like plus three every single game until that game against Washington. And in the it's just kind of fluky in the NFL, especially when you have these plays where nobody knows what's a catch anymore. Right? You catch it, you take two steps, and then somebody knocks the ball out of your hands. It's a fumble. Did Hurts get hurt in that no. Redskins or no, no, Commanders no. game? Not until he got hurt like week 15 oh. last year. So and they beat Hurts. We beat Jalen Hurts. Healthy wow. Jalen Hurts, yeah. But they had, maybe it was the fluke play where Dallas Goddard, J- Jamin Davis ripped his helmet off of his head. They <laughs> yeah. didn't call a face mask, and then he fumbled, and we returned it for a touchdown. It was very fluky, but we got the win because of forcing turnovers. So. I'm excited for the season, but yeah, absolutely, I believe week one is a must-win. 833-804-0910 if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. If you listen to AWOD Radio all the time, you know that during high school football season, we run around local sports with Lane Casadante every 1.30 Tuesdays on AWOD Radio. And we have the CBS 6 910 The Fan Coaches Poll that Lane does alongside Gary Criswell and Gary Hess that release every Monday. We'll break that down and talk some high school football on the fan next. AWOD Radio. Every weekday from noon to three on Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 1051 FM.
Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, the fan now at 105.1 FM. Available on both ends of the dial here in Richmond, 910 AM, 105.1 FM, and available around the country on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free. It's the best app out there for music, play-by-play, and sports talk. It gives you the ability to pause, rewind the show, run some errands, and then pick up right where you left off. If you download the Odyssey app today for free, you'll notice when you search 910 The Fan, there are chapters, so you can go back to the Richmond Commander. We're at Danny Ruye. You can hear the Commander's Corner with Matthew Paris. And joining us right now on the Hadeen Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline to run around local sports here in Richmond, Virginia, it's Lane Casadante. What's going on, Lane? Hey, Adam. How's everybody doing? Doing pretty well. So what was your uh, biggest takeaway from the first weekend of high school football locally? For me, it had to have been Highland Springs going down to Florida and getting that win against Miramar. Yeah, almost 2,000 miles round trip. Um, And uh, it was their defense showed up big. It was not a blowout. Head coach Lauren Johnson said it wasn't going to be. It was going to be a very close, tough, hard-fought game. There were a few mistakes on both sides. Uh, it was not the prettiest game to watch. If you uh, tuned in on on the incredibly shaky live stream that they had <laughs> down there. Um, but I think that's the type of game that Coach Johnson wanted for his team. And now he probably knows far more about what they have inside of them than he did before they played. Lane, what games did you hit locally this weekend? Uh, where did I go last week? I went to, uh, I saw Douglas Freeman open their season. Uh, they played Atlee and then that was Thursday night. And then Friday night, where did I see? I can't even remember from one day to the next. Um, where was I Friday night? See, I can't even remember you. I'll, I'll think of it before too long, but, um, uh, there were, you know, there were a couple of teams. There, there are a handful of teams that still haven't even opened their season yet. Um, so, we won't get a full view of everybody until after this week is this week's schedule has been played. So we have the CBS six nine ten the fan high school football coaches poll that we team up with Lane Casadante on every single week, and of course Highland Springs number one, number two uh, Dinwiddie. So Harry Dalton, we all talk about Harry, Harry Dalton now a junior for Dinwiddie had thirteen carries, eighty three yards rushing and then was also eight of 16 passing with 190 yards and three touchdowns in their 52 to seven win. He's just so incredible. He is. And the fact that he is only a junior just boggles the mind of a lot of people. A lot of people last year thought he was a senior when he was only a sophomore. I think that trip out to Ohio for their opening game where uh, they basically, they, you know, no two ways about it. They got run over uh, after the first quarter of that game out in Cleveland. And I think that really, I don't know if this is a program that needed a wake up call, but I think if anything got their attention, it was being manhandled like that, like they do to so many people. And I think, uh, you know, that's a long way to go for a 36 to seven loss. But again, I think Billy Mills is the type of coach that will get far more out of a loss than he does out of a win. And uh, I, you know, Dinwiddie in class four is again going to be one of the favorites to win another state title this year. Lane, I'm wondering, do you go on to the Richmond times dispatch and vote for their high school football player of the week? I voted this week for Cole Chizuk, the receiver for Douglas Freeman, who had 164 yards and four touchdowns in their 45 to nothing win. 
Yeah, and one of the touchdowns was a pick six, which was the first score, the first touchdown of the night for Freeman. Uh, I was there for that, and that kid was open. They could have thrown to him, you know, 15 times, and he might have scored all 15 times. He just found a way to get open, and he catches what is thrown his way. Um, and he just has a he has a, a real good sense about him uh, when he moves through traffic and when he moves around on the field. Douglas Freeman is going to be one of those steady teams that shouldn't make too many mistakes that hurt themselves. Uh, and if they are opportunistic enough and stay healthy, they could take that next step. They're they're always in the playoffs in Class Five. Now they want to take that next step and get to the regional level and play for a regional title and then get on to states. And this could be one of the years that they do it. Uh, again, if they, you know, don't – and it's the same for every team. Don't hurt yourself with bad penalties and stay healthy, and you're going to have a shot. One of the names that we heard all of last season was Thomas Dale's quarterback, Ethan Mentor. How did he look in their 35 to nothing win over Cosby? Uh, I tell you what, our photographer Rick Stos was out there, and he saw Ethan a fair amount over the last two years – and he actually thought that Ethan is taking quite a big step forward in his development. Um, he thought that he was a little more decisive back in the pocket. His throws were on target. Thomas Dale, at least in the first week, showed a very balanced attack combined with a really good defense, which you're always going to get from their teams. But they could both throw and run just as effectively, which is what any offensive coach can only hope for because that gives defenses twice as much to worry about and think about. So if they can maintain that type of balance and that type of effectiveness on both sides of their offense, they are going to be very, very difficult to deal with this season. Seems like a lot of these week one wins were blowouts. What would you say was the best high school game of the week here in Richmond? Um, let's take a, actually, the best game was one that the local team lost, and it was uh, Hermitage falling to Oscar Smith. Yeah. That's a game that Sean Robertson was out at that game. And while Oscar Smith won by two touchdowns, Sean said that the score does not indicate how close that game was. That was a back and forth game with uh, Hermitage, a little bit younger um, in terms of, you know, the kids that they have on their roster. They graduated a lot of seniors last year. They're a little bit younger, but Sean said that they stayed toe to toe with one of the best teams in the state for the entire game. Now, did Oscar Smith pull away at the end? Yeah. Um, but Sean thought that uh, that game was much closer than you would think a two-touchdown game would be. It's Lane Casadante with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, the sports director at CBS 6 here in town. What do you think about the momentum growing for the ACC to expand with sources saying they've looked at Stanford, Cal, and SMU? What do you think about that, Lane? Well, I think the $72 million in extra revenue that they could bring in every year is what the ACC is thinking about. And honestly, really, and I think I've said this before, they, they just need to take the top 64 teams in the country and just put them in four different conferences mm. and give them, you know, eight, eight teams in each division and let them all play it out that way. And then the winner of each division goes towards the playoffs. And then, you know, you, you whittle it down that way and let the, all the other sports, all the Olympic sports, and everything else go back to their old conferences. Um, and that way, everybody gets the same money. Uh, you know, fight, figure out a way to divvy it up so that it's even for everybody. Make Notre Dame finally put their money where their mouth is and, you know, join one of these conferences and be part of the discussion. 
I think that's where we are going to end up eventually. Um, and, you know, compromise is something that nobody's going to like, but um, once they realize it and once they get everyone on the same page, it's just going to make things so much easier. The ACC is doing, you know, what they feel that they need to do right now to be competitive, to keep their group together at the moment um, and try to avoid any future defections. Nobody needs to see a 20-team conference. That's just ridiculous. Um, but, you know, the ACC is doing, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to do their due diligence and head off any problems before they became, before they arise. What are your what are your expectations for ODU at Virginia Tech this weekend? The Monarchs upset the Hokies at home last year, but this year it's Saturday night prime time on ACC Network in Blacksburg. I don't think the Hokies throw four interceptions or have a field goal blocked. I think the Hokies win easily this time at home. I don't think Brent Fry could have handpicked a better opponent to open his second season down there because there is no opponent that gets your attention like one that embarrassed you the year before. Um, and the, the Hokies, when we went down, I was down there a few weeks ago uh, to talk with some of them and they didn't even want to say ODU's name. That's how much, you know, that's how angry they are about what happened last year. They feel a certain sense of pride in the fact the ones that are still around anyway they feel a certain sense of pride in that you know that happened on their watch and they want to make sure it does not happen again but uh brent fry has 30 new scholarship names on his roster this year from last year one is Allie jennings former highland springs and hermitage standout who was on the old dominion roster last year and uh i asked him you know point blank what are they thinking about down there in that locker room? You were there last year. And he's like, I don't care what they were thinking about. I'm here now, and we are not going to let that happen again. Lane, let's move over to the Washington Commanders, who begin their season in 12 days with the Arizona Cardinals, who don't currently have a quarterback coming to Washington. And uh, My buddy Woody, who listens to the show, is going to get a tattoo of Riverboat Ron on his butt if he still has a job in eight months. So what do you think, Lane? Will Ron be able to keep his job? Oh, boy, that is, that's a million-dollar question, isn't it? I think if they make a run at the playoffs uh, or if they make the playoffs, then I think you have to look long and hard about keeping a guy like Ron around. But it's going to come down to this season and what he produces on the field this season and whether or not that new ownership group uh, feels like you know he gives them momentum going forward if he is their guy. Everything that he has done – in the past with the franchise up to this point should count in his bank, in his goodwill bank. I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to help him as much as it probably should, but Ron has been the right guy for this franchise up until this point. Now they have to make the determination as to whether or not he's the right guy moving forward. And what they do on the field this year is going to go a long way towards proving that they should be better. Right. And we say this every year, don't we? Yep. Uh, they should be better. Uh, Brian Robinson should have a fantastic year. Uh, you know, Sam Howell has done has shown some good things in the preseason. Um, Braden Daniels going on injured reserve did not help. I don't know how much he was going to play this year, but that's a fourth-round pick that you're just lost for the entire season at the one spot on this entire roster where you can ill afford to lose anybody. And already we've got bad news about the offensive line. So that's the, the main thing that gives me pause this year. 
That's Lane Casadante, sports director for WTVR. Follow him on the social media at Lane CTV Sports. Thanks so much, man. Good talking to you. All right, Adam. Thanks for having me. Have a great week. Yep, you too. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Are you ready to join the AWOD Army? Tune in to the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM every day from noon to 3 on AWOD Radio. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. If you miss any of the show, you can always rewind on the Odyssey app or check out the podcast by going to iTunes or Spotify, just searching AWOD Radio. You'll find each hour of the show plus a full best of hour on AWOD Radio. It's available every single day by 4 p.m. for your drive home. We'll go around the NFL here in 15 minutes give you another season preview every single day. We're doing a season preview leading up to the start of football season. Doc Walker, the Super Bowl champion, and he's a host on the Team 980. He'll join us today at 2.30. But right now, it's time to catch you up on all of the college football news here in the state of Virginia with University Drive. Let's go to University Drive. Scores, rivalries, rankings, all the college football in the state of Virginia. We'll follow the action all season long. College football, baby. University Drive on AWOD Radio. All right, let's start with the Hokies here in Blacksburg. That will be the home for the first ACC Network primetime game Saturday night, the Monarchs of ODU. We got the win last year at ODU. We'll travel to Blacksburg. And Brent Pride did announce that Grant Wells will be quarterback one this season. But what I thought was interesting is that he said Chiron Drones will receive action every week. So what does that mean to me? Well, it means they're going to kind of do some kind of a wildcat with him. Maybe he gets some carries around the goal line. Maybe get some carries on some like third and one opportunities. I kept saying all offseason, Grant Wells didn't do enough for me to prove that he should be the starting quarterback once again for the Hokies. The reason he got the job is because of the experience that he has, and he wore the Hokies jersey last year. But Pry said to reporters, quote, it's hard for me to not think about one of them helping us. They both bring a lot to the table in their own way. Yeah, so I could see a scenario where that's the case, where both quarterbacks have a successful season for the Hokies this year. They've got to handle business inside of the state of Virginia this year. That's the number one thing. Uh, For the Hokies to lose to Old Dominion two of the last three times, it's just something that it's not going to get them to get this program back to where it should be. They have to take care of business in the state of Virginia. They have to start recruiting better in the state of Virginia. And hopefully the former Monarch, Ali Jennings, will be the star wide receiver for the Hokies this season. Let's move over to UVA. As the Hoos begin their season in Nashville against the Tennessee Volunteers. And the number one thing that I want to see out of the offense is just show some pop against Tennessee. Even if they're blown out. Even if, you know, Tennessee just rolls over them for the whole first half. They're down 28-0. Let's see if they can put some points on the board. 
126th ranked offense last season for UVA. Just 17 points per game. Tony Elliott's supposed to be this offseason uh, offensive genius. Let's get after it. Let's see them score the ball uh, in, in this game against Tennessee. We know Tennessee's going to come after them. I was listening to Who's Talking last night with Frank Maloney, and he's a little bit concerned about the physicality of the offensive line for UVA. And that's a big test. Week one against Tennessee. You know they've got some big boys. They're going to try to get after the quarterback. Will Tony Musket even have time in the pocket to release the ball downfield? Going to be a big question for UVA this season. We mentioned ODU. They begin their season at Virginia Tech. Defensively, they are led by Jason Henderson. Uh, had unbelievable success in the Sun Belt last year, leading the Sun Belt in tackles. For Richmond, the Spiders, they host Morgan State this Saturday to kick off the season before traveling to Michigan State for week two. VMI. I'm wearing my VMI polo today. they got a football fest. Good. They host Davidson September 2nd. And William and Mary, they begin Thursday night, August 31st, at Campbell. Well, joining us right now to preview the JMU Duke season on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's Noah Fleischman. What's going on, Noah? Hey, Adam. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So, how are you feeling about the quarterback position for the Dukes this season? Yeah, I think it's not really going to be that much of concern. Yeah, you know, whoever plays is, doesn't have much experience in this offense um, or just playing college football, you know, in the last couple of years. But it's really down to a couple of guys, and we'll see which way they turn. But, you know, you know, everyone likes the redshirt freshman and Alonzo Barnett, and you have the, the Arizona transfer and, and Jordan McLeod. Those two have been the lead, were the leaders out of spring ball, and then, you know, they just haven't come up with, the, with, them, with their minds yet, you know, leaving fall camp. What is the game preview, Noah, for JMU this weekend hosting Bucknell to start the season? Yeah, you know, it's going to be a good game for them to see what they have to work with, right? You're going to see the starters. I imagine you'll see the second and third stringers in the second half. It's, it's not going to be much of a game on the field, but it's going to be good for JMU to see, you know, who they have behind the starting group and how they can play in an actual game environment. So it'll be good. A good start before they get on a really tough stretch starting with UVA next weekend. I know JMU wants to build off of last year's success. What do you think a successful season in the Sun Belt would look like for the Dukes? Yeah, you know, they're playing a full 12-game schedule now, so I think success is really seven to nine wins. Um, you know, it, I think it's really good to build off of what they did last year. They won eight and three a year ago. If they go eight and four, you go nine and three this year. I think that's a really good step, especially if they can find their way into a bowl game this year. That would be, you know, the, the, I think the cherry on top of them. How do you what do you, how do you think this game is going to go against Virginia? I mean, I I, I kind of think if JMU is going to take down the Hoos, this would be the perfect year with the offensive line issues for Virginia. They're trying a new quarterback in, in Tony Musket here, and defensively they lost a lot of corners. How do you feel about the Dukes' chances to get a big win inside the state of Virginia? Yeah, I think it's a really winnable game, and this is a game that you know Kurt Tignetti wants to win. Uh, he's made no secret about it, and. And I think they've got a really good chance to do it. Similar to UVA, they've lost some key players and key spots, but I think you know they have an opportunity to build off of what they did a year ago, even though they're without a guy like Todd Tail, without a lot of wide receivers as well. They reloaded in the portal at wide receiver, and I think that they'll be okay. And it's going to be a competitive game, but I think you know the Dukes probably won't be favored by Vegas. But I think you know a lot of people feel good about it going into Charlottesville next weekend. What's going to be the strongest part of JMU's defense this season? Yeah, linebacker, I think, is where, where, where it starts. you got Torres Jones and Jalen Walker. Jalen Walker, a Richmond native. Those two played a year ago, first time starting, and, and anchored that defense to the top two leading tacklers. So I think they'll, they'll be the ones to lead the way. It's a veteran secondary, too, but young corners. So I think the linebackers will be where everything starts. 
We've got Noah Fleischman with us here on the Hadeen Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline covering James Madison Dukes football this season. Noah, a bunch of my buddies went to JMU, and they all talk about how the fan base there, the students, they get fired up for game day, but they don't always last throughout the game. Is that something that you noticed last season? Is that going to change maybe for the Dukes this year? Yeah, it was a little bit better last year, but yeah, by halftime, you know, a lot of people funnel out and, and go do what they want to do on a Saturday, Saturday yeah. evening, Saturday night. But I think, you know, we'll see it throughout the year. I think it'll get better this weekend. Probably not. It's going to be a blowout by halftime, so I wouldn't. you don't really knock people for leaving it at that point. But, you know, there's competitive games on the schedule at home this year, South Alabama in week five. That one I expect, you know, a packed crowd for the entire game because the Jaguars are one of the best teams in the conference. It'll be a good game in week five. What is your preseason prediction for the Sun Belt? Who are going to be the top dogs this year? Yeah, you know, I said South, South Alabama, I think they'll come out of the West as, as the West champion. And you look on the East, I think Marshall is a really, really sneaky team. Not a lot of people are talking about them. And I think that, really, I think they have a chance to win the whole conference, especially since JMU is not eligible to play in the uh, conference championship game for a second straight year. So I give it Marshall and South Alabama with Marshall, you know, winning it all. You know, we all remember uh, Jimmy Moreland, who played at JMU and then ended up as a commander's cornerback. Any guys on the roster you think have um, NFL in their future this season? Yeah, Nick Kidwell is a, is a senior offensive lineman, uh, you know, at right tackle. I think he's got the best chance of being a draft pick, hearing his name called in, in the NFL draft. There's been a ton of scouts at practice during fall camp, and you see them all make their way to the offensive line. So if you're going to pick one guy out of this team, I think he's got the best shot at, at hearing his name called come April. Noah, give my audience a little preview of the work you'll be doing for JMU this season. Yeah, you know, I've just got to cover JMU on a weekly, on a you know, daily basis, week to week. We're in game week now, so we've got some press conference availability later today. And we get into, you know, the game, the game preparation and game coverage starting tomorrow with Bucknell uh, this weekend. And then we'll flip right into UVA next week. So it's going to be a busy time, but it's going to be a good time. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for joining the show, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Yep, that was Noah Fleischman. You can follow him on social media at Fleischman underscore Noah. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio. You can get in touch with me on Twitter and Instagram, AWOD Radio, A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O. Phone lines are open throughout the show. It's 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. So we're going to go around the NFL next on NFL Hits, and I've seen a list they came a list came out on the odds for the first quarterback benched and the first head coach fired in the NFL. Not looking very good for the local guys, Sam Howell and Ron Rivera. We'll discuss that next on NFL Hits. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back.